the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sport in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Mop and Financial Advisors, and Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino. Now, your host, Philip Naiman. Ah, there it is. The holy grail of Christmas gifts, the Red Rider 200-shot range model air rifle. Ralphie? What would you like for Christmas? Horrified. I heard myself blurted out. I want an official Red Rider carbon action 200 range model air rifle. What I want for Christmas is a Red Rider BB gun with a compass and a stock and this thing which tells time. Wow, that's great. A Red Rider BB gun with a compass and a stock and this thing which tells time. No. Shoot your eye out. Hey, folks, I hope you had a great Christmas. This is Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show, coming to you on a fantastic Saturday after the big day. Joining me in studio, I have the magnificent Craig Lucas, triathlete extraordinaire and a new time <laughs> hunter, shooter, uh, new to the gun world, but he's enjoying it greatly, I would say. How about you, Craig? I'm having a blast. It's a great, it's fantastic starting out on a new endeavor, and um, I'm enjoying myself thoroughly. So, uh, you know, start about new endeavors. We actually had a little bit of good news here. Uh, cutting Edge Bullets, CuttingEdgeBullets.com has become the official lead-free bullet for Firing Line Radio Show. Now, for those of you, we've had uh, Dan Smichko on the show several times, and some of the other people from that firm, they're made out of Pennsylvania. They're the only Swiss CNC-lathed, all-copper bullet. And since we are here in communist California, where, where the People's Republic of Occupied California, actually, since we're stuck here and hunting locally... Anywhere in the state, basically, we're going to need to use lead-free ammunition. You got to check out the cutting-edge bullets now, especially if you do your own reloading. That's where it's going to make make uh, the biggest difference for you. So, cutting-edge bullets—they are Swiss CNC machine. They're extremely precise. They mushroom upon impact, as opposed to some of the other companies, like starts with a B. Other copper bullets starts with a B. Um, tend not to have as much expansion, but uh, the cutting-edge bullets have actually made two hunting trips with them. We shot a pig at 600 yards with the Firing Line radio show. Um, I think that was a Pigapalooza hunt in May. We took a pig at 200 y- or 600 yards. And then also uh, I took one of my largest mule deer ever out of Colorado. It's a 28-inch 4x4 with their 130-grain bullet at 387 yards. So it's awesome bullet. Uh, Daniel Smichko, the owner of Cutting Edge Bullets, he actually just won a contest called King of Two Miles. It's not a race. It's a shot. So these guys were hitting targets at almost two miles distance in a, in a nationwide competition, and that's how accurate and consistent their bullets are. So I'm very, very happy to announce them and what that means for you, except for you, Craig, but for everybody else out there, what that means for you is we will be having some product giveaways and some promotions for some of the fantastic bullets. You know, If you reload, this is what you want to use. If you don't reload, I will be having some of their loaded pistol ammunition they use the phd that defense round 
It's amazing. You take a look at it, it looks like a flying coffee can. It's uh, absolutely <laughs> it's an absolutely awesome round. So everything from 380 to 45 ACP. So we're going to have that. You have to be a subscriber on my podcast. So go to firinglineradio.com. Follow through to SoundCloud, set up a little account, click follow the show. And, uh, you know, not as a general rule, but pretty much when I'm doing a giveaway, that tends to be the short list I decide who gets what from. So uh, help us help you by subscribing to the show, firinglineradio.com. Go to SoundCloud, subscribe. Couldn't be easier, couldn't be freer, and you might end up with a nice giveaway. As one of our uh, listeners, Charles Guest, he just got two hex mags from me, Cerakoted. Uh, you know, just, you know, it doesn't get better than that. Two free hex mags, um, just because he was subscribed and he got the lucky name picked. And if you have a problem with those rules, tell it to the judge. <laughs> anyway, hey, uh, on the show, we were we were planning on having our good friend Lou Misterly come and join us. Uh, Lou is coming down from from Salt Lake City. He was not able to make it in time for the recording, so unfortunately, we don't have any Lou. The purpose of this show is to have Lou in here and talking with Craig Lucas, who has a new interest in hunting, a new interest in shooting, and kind of going back and forth about what is the information a new hunter or a new shooter needs, and what's the best way to start, or and you know, play 50 questions, if you will. So you would like my first question? There it is. That's his first question. But I like his first question. Well, I guess being new to things... Um Having invested uh, some time and effort and acquired some guns, a bow, starting to take interest in things, what's my next step as as we go? Let's back it up a little bit from there. What made you... Have all of a sudden have this interest? You grew up in Wisconsin, right? <laughs> Did I say it correctly? Yes, you said it Thank, exactly. Thank you very much. <laughs> Craig and I are longtime friends. There is a we he gives it as good as I do, so don't don't feel bad for Craig at all here. <laughs> uh, you know, as a kid, I squirrel hunted, small game, a uh, little bit of archery, and I just never re- really pursued it. And go, you know, from college on, um, jobs, etc. I just really didn't. Didn't take an interest in it, even though family, friends, they were very into it. And it wasn't until recently, um, a lot of conversations between us, that it piqued my curiosity again. And I've really, it's it's a path I've chosen to take. It's something I really want to do. And it's intimidating, though. You know, what does a person like me with no experience do in order to acquire all the knowledge beyond, you know, reading the internet. How do I get that hands-on experience? Well, actually, all you need to do is get on the internet that, and, uh, and you can actually set up your own website and be an expert. So yeah, no, I don't have that kind of knowledge. <laughs> and that's, that's the point of most people my talking don't. to you. <laughs> um, so, so what you, I think it would come down to what is it that you're trying to do? You know, if you want to start big game hunting, have you done any hunting? No, I have not. I like I said, maybe a little bit of small game as a child, but a uh, child, adolescent. Um, no, but I have a dream, I guess, of maybe taking a big deer or an elk. An elk. Now, elk are awesome animals. Uh, they're big animals, and they're awesome animals. Uh, and in fact, um, on our elk hunt this year, I was actually sending you some video. Uh, sitting in the blind, and all those animals were were bugling and screaming as they're going straight past us. Uh, that that was pretty interesting elk hunt. 
Yeah, that was uh, I, I loved receiving that. It was something I, I looked at a few times and just imagined myself doing something like that just because of those couple of clips you sent. And it was, uh, yeah, it's something I really want to pursue. However, I don't, I don't really know how to go about it. I mean, I don't think I possess the knowledge to just take my gun, walk into the woods, and <laughs> shoot something. I think that's uh, that's a lot of wisdom on your part. Now, but it also comes down to your your own personality because she's when I first met you what 15 years ago yeah close to yeah. About, about 15 years you know we just started cycling and you just kind of took it from being 40 50 pounds overweight to being an Ironman triathlete well I wasn't that heavy but <laughs> you, you were a porker pal <laughs> there was a time I could beat you up the hill <laughs> your point is you're no longer but you you got coaching you researched the gear you put the time in to do that. You didn't just buy a brand new bike and all of a sudden you're an Ironman. You don't just go get an M dot tattoo and you're an <laughs> Ironman. Um, as I said a week or so ago, you know, for long range shooting, you don't just buy a ballistic calculator and now you're a sniper. That there's a whole a whole different world to it. And I think that the part of trying to figure it out first before you've spent the money on a tag and a trip and your time and your treasure pursuing some of these hunts or these animals or even time in the woods that you're saying, okay, what else, what is involved here? I think it's a sign of wisdom that you're kind of backing up and saying, what am I, what am I getting myself into here? You know, I, I shouldn't believe Phil on everything. He's, <laughs> he set me up for something. I could feel it. So on an elk hunt, uh, obviously one of the things you're going to need to realize is the time frame that's involved in elk hunting. With the exception of Idaho and Colorado, you have to put in for an elk tag a long time in advance. I believe, I think Alaska goes in in December. They don't have elk, but you have to put in in December to hunt in Alaska if you want to go up there. January is elk for, you have to put in a permit where you actually go on the website, pay a lot of money up front, about a hundred bucks um, up front, and see if you're even drawn so you have to put in ahead of time. Now, if you're a new person, I would recommend that you get a guide. You could cut down on several years of experience of going to the mountains and learning an area and maybe getting an animal, maybe not, by hiring a guide. What does a guy like me do that has no experience but wants to do this? Do I apply to every place I can and hope I get drawn somewhere? What happens if I get drawn to a couple different places by some sheer stroke of luck? Then what? That That's almost a, a big disadvantage that we have. You have to put in in January, February, March, April, depending upon the state. And they don't even tell you if you've drawn it until May or June or, yeah, California's in June. So it's been months since you've applied to see even, and you have to make sure that you're applying in other places. So there's ways that you can do it and get some money back. There's other ways that you can kind of have a backup plan, meaning that say you can hunt Colorado for elk by buying a tag over the counter. You can literally go to Walmart and buy an elk tag. So maybe that's your backup plan. Maybe you put in for Wyoming. If you don't get it, then you plan on going to Colorado. Something of that nature. Anyway, folks, this is Firing Line Radio Show. Philip Naiman here with Craig Lucas. We're talking about first-time hunters, answering questions and bantering back and forth. Good time, friend. And hope you had a great Christmas. We'll be right back after this. 
a message from Vince at Bullseye Sport. Bullseye Sport thanks the many families who have allowed us to provide them a firearm that helped them protect their home this past year. Before you shop for your personal protection firearm, I encourage you to come on down to Bullseye Sport in Riverside and speak with me, Vince, the owner, or one of my many good people at the store. You will receive a welcome and an educational experience that will help you feel confident and comfortable in your firearm purchase. Bullseye Sport wishes you and your family a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and to have a safe holiday season. Give the gift of protection with a stocking stuffer or gift certificate in any amount from Bullseye Sport. Use your AM590 mobile app to enter to win a bucket of bullets, 1,400 rounds of 22 ammunition. Download it for Apple or Droid and click on the Bullseye ad to enter. No purchase necessary. Bullseye Sport in Riverside, 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the Firing Line Radio Show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. What I want for Christmas is a Red Rider BB gun with a compass in the stock and this thing which tells time. Wow, that's great. No, shoot your eye out. Oh, no, it was the classic mother BB gun block. (laughs) You'll shoot your eye out. Hi, folks. Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. And as you know, our sponsor, Vince, owner of Bullseye Sports and Guns and Ammo in Riverside, wants to stress the importance of safety in firearm usage. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking of purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or target shooting, it's important to take the next step and become a responsible gun owner. Vince highly recommends that you attend a certified firearm safety and training course, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essential for the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes the obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For more information about their certified firearms course, call Bullseye Sports in Riverside, 951-823-0211, or visit their website, bullseyesport.com, for schedule of classes. Because at Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo, they believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. So, go see Vince. I'm sure he's having an after-Christmas sale, and uh, get everything, I think, half off. Um, is, Vince, is Vince having the half-off Christmas sale? think yeah it's about half off so go over there and say hey i heard it's about half off he'll take care of you no problem um you know last week my one of my other sponsors tom reese at riverside indoor shooting range if you do say firing line radio show you get 20 percent off on the memberships 20 percent yep and uh, i saw him the monday after the show and he says hey 
you're costing me a lot of money. So, folks, go go on in there, get your memberships, and uh, get the discount by saying Fireland Radio Show. Merry Christmas, Tom. Folks, uh, here with Craig Lucas, we're talking once again about beginning hunters and checking things out. Uh, the last question that we had before we went off the air was about tags. Now, a hunting tag is a permit issued by the state for the attempt uh, for hunting an animal. You have to get a deer tag, an elk tag, a moose tag, a sheep tag, an antelope tag. So you get a hunting license and a tag in some states. Others, you just simply get the tag per species. For Colorado, you buy a deer tag. You don't have to buy a hunting license also. So some things come in like that. Some are drawing. Wyoming is drawing only. Um, Nevada is drawing only. Arizona is drawing only. New Mexico, California, pretty much if you want to go to a decent area, it's drawing only. So you have to look at the different states that you may possibly want to go and figure out what what days your vacations are going to be. That comes into play. I always like to look at the moon cycle. I hate hunting on a full moon. Uh, I'd rather be home making sure the crazies aren't coming in the house. So, you know, don't if you can, pick a season that doesn't have a full moon. You'll be better off. Are some states harder to get than others as far as acquiring tags? Not only are some states harder to get, but some areas of some states are harder to get. In the state of California, I have, I don't know, 12 or 13 preference points for deer because I want a special hunt. And they've just said no for that long. So I keep not drawing it and I end up with a, a local deer tag or something like that instead, which... So your preference points, are how are those accumulated? Every time you attempt to get a tag and are denied, you gain a preference point. So the following year, it's supposed to increase your odds to finally draw that tag. In in what sense? Meaning you either you get, get ten, more, 10... You might get your name in the hat. In some states, you might get your name in the... If you have 10 points, your name might be in the hopper 10 times. Okay. Others, they might issue only to the people with the most points. So say somebody has 25 points because they've been applying forever. Somebody else has 23, 22, 21. Well, those are the first four or five that get those tags. So it it depends on which state, but you'd rather have a preference point than not. Usually comes out in that. So you decide which, which animal you want to go for, what seasons you can make it, uh, which areas you want to go. And then I think you, especially your first year, you may want to look at hiring a guide. A guide, meaning a like a personal shopper in the wilderness. How do you recommend going about <laughs> selecting a guide? I've looked on the internet and done some research and prices vary from a little bit to a little bit over a hundred to a lot over a hundred. Yeah. To um, incredibly large amounts. And that's, that's going to depend upon what they have to offer. So a guide, if they have a great area, usually private property, Okay, they can control how many people are going in there. They can control how the the feed is is grown throughout the year. Matter of fact, Lou Misterly, the guy who's supposed to be here today, he has a several thousand acre ranch up in Laramie, Wyoming. He doesn't run cattle on it, or he has some, but not a lot. Now the the ranches next to him, they run three, four, five hundred head of cattle. So they're running a cattle ranch, and the cows eat all the grass off the mountain. Well, elk eat grass, so they end up being because he does not run cattle, he ends up with more elk on his property. But the more elk on his property, he can afford to, to have a premium elk hunt where it's, you know, you're going to see 500 to 1,000 head of elk, which is a lot, a lot of animals. And so your chance of getting something substantial are far greater than if you just bought an over-the-counter tag and went to the San Juans in Colorado. What about some of the things I've seen online as far as uh, 
I think they refer to them as landowner tags. What what does that mean? Okay, so a landowner tag is somebody who is a farmer, and if they have a certain number of acres, they're able to get a guaranteed deer tag or elk tag or antelope tag. They can sell those to somebody private party, so they can actually transfer them. They can either use them themselves or they can sell them. So it's a way to compensate the landowners for the amount of alfalfa and wheat and everything else that the animals eat year-round. So if, you know, uh, one elk can eat 40 pounds of hay in a day. Well, if you have 100 elk on your property and you're a hay farmer. It's a lot of hay you, going to waste. You, you hate elk, yeah. <laughs> so it's a, way, it's a way to incentivize the farmers to allow the wildlife access to their land and not to, um, you know, to starve the animals out. So it's a, it's a win-win. Who, who buys those? People who didn't get drawn but want to go hunting. So you're in the lottery. You didn't get drawn. Now I have a chance to buy a tag from a landowner. It's a little bit more money, but I still have that opportunity if I choose to go. Do guide services have a tendency to fill up quickly? I'm Hypothetically, I'm selected for a tag in, let's take June, for example, is that something I need to get right on right away? That uh... I would take a look at the good the good guides and how do you tell a good guide his references? People who have hunted with him, and talk to some people who didn't take animals with him. You know, everybody wants to tell you, oh yeah, we shot this blah 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 big elk. Talk to talk to Bob, he shot one with me. Well, Bob loves him because he got a big elk. Well, what about Fred who never saw anything? You know, you want you want to have a sampling of people who went through through him so you get a feel for what the guys like and talk to him on the phone. I wouldn't just book it online without talking to somebody. You want to have a guide who puts your experience first. Uh, you know, I think with with television, a lot of people are looking at you know the hunting shows. Well, that that's not reality, guys. That's it's a hunting show. Um, they were there for a specific purpose on a limited time frame, and they paid a lot of money to do what they're doing on that screen. It's not everybody's real life experience on a hunting show. Uh, you don't look up in the morning and go, oh, well, which of those seven-point royal elk should I take? Well, the G3s on this one are a little weak. I think it's not like that, right? So, you know, <clears throat> the, this television. Are lot. most guide services all-inclusive in the sense that maybe minus my transportation, I don't have anything else to worry about once I should be book a trip should be it's a good question to ask and it should be it should be you get there and then you don't pay for anything outside of that trip um sometimes guys get stuck with hotel rooms because they didn't check out ahead of time where the guide will say okay here's your hotel you know you work it out and and lodging wasn't included you know a lot of there's some people out there who represent themselves as guides who probably shouldn't and it's going to be beholden upon you to figure out who do you want to have working for you and not is Tipping common for your guide at the end of a trip? Yes, yeah. Uh, tipping tipping is common. The amount that you tip is going to vary. Uh, I, I think it varies depending upon the amount of service that they do. You know, when we go on these these uh, pig hunts up in Northern California, it costs what five fifty or something for the pig hunt, and you know, a hundred dollar tip is is probably good if he did a good job for you. If the guy drove you crazy, well, that, that's up to you. You don't. I, I well, being new, I wouldn't know what to differentiate between a good you, guide and a bad guide. But you would know guide. if he drove you crazy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if it was irritating, well, that's, you know, that's something different. But most of them aren't. They, they understand what they're doing, and they're there to deliver a, a good product. So you want to make sure that you're covered. Um, I don't think it's, you, you know, if you're paying, you should give, give tip for the value that's received. 
sometimes people will leave them a knife or a, a, a firearm or something. You shouldn't leave them a firearm because you're in violation of a law. But, um, <clears throat> you know, just check it out with them. And you'll know when you have a good guide because you could tell he, he truly cared about your safety, your well-being, the fact that you had a good hunt and a good experience. And you had a good guide if you want to come back. That sounds like a very good point. <laughs> Anyway, so those those are good questions. So now let's talk about when we come back, we have a commercial coming up here. When we come back, let's talk about some of the gear and some of the training that you have to do to make yourself qualified to go do those wonderful things that you want to do way up high in the mountains. Folks, Firing Line Radio Show, check us out at FiringLineRadio.com on Facebook, Firing Line Radio Show, and make sure you subscribe so you can get some cutting-edge bullets, the official lead-free bullet of Firing Line Radio Show. We'll be right back after this. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn. Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of the Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range and CCW Safe. No, no, I want an official radar in our combination. Do you want to get rid of my lead rifle? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Hi, folks. Welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. Philip Naiman. Check us out on our website, firinglineradio.com. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you subscribe. That's all I'm going to say. If you want to get some cutting-edge bullets or some cutting-edge PhD, personal home defense, live ammo, you better be a subscriber. That's all I'm going to say. Except I think my producer, Dan, is hungry. Dan, are you hungry? What is snack matter? What is snack matter? It's over there to the left. Now leave me alone. Hey, folks, I'm here with, uh, with Craig... Here with Craig Lucas, we're starting this segment here. We're talking about hunting and uh, new time hunters. What's to think about this time of year? Uh, people are generally saying hunting's over, but you have to start planning ahead, looking for where to hunt, where to go for your tags, getting your equipment, lining things up. So, Craig, what was your next question here? Well, once we've covered all those things, what's my next step? Uh, I would assume acquiring more gear, all the necessary items to be successful in the field. Where... Where do I start? How would you prioritize them as far as what should I get first? I think, you know, again, it comes down to where you're hunting. So if we're hunting on the western United States, and if we're hunting for big game, deer and elk, which are the two largest, most popular uh, animals to hunt for, then I think I would try and find a bolt-action rifle that can handle both of those animals. So that basically would come in maybe the lightest somebody might think about would be like a .25-06. That would be about the lightest you could consider for elk, and that would only be in a controlled situation. 
You know, you're not going to make a long shot with a, that light of a bullet or a six and a half, 284. Again, it's a great round, but might be a little bit on the light side for elk. Um, the numbers 25 and 6.5, which is actually 0.264, they're a little bit bigger than a quarter inch in diameter of the bullet. Now, they go pretty fast, as you, as you saw at the range of the day, but that's about the lightest bullet that you'd want to go with for big game hunting. You wouldn't want to shoot a 223 for deer. People do it. I don't recommend it. Or 22, 250. 243, if you're just hunting deer and it's under it's under four or 500 yards, I, I think that's okay. But if you're hunting elk, it's too light. The bullet's just too light. Uh, it doesn't have enough penetration because you're looking at an 800-pound animal, which you have to get into the engine room to take it down. So check out the caliber. Um, calibers, most people who start off in hunting will either go for a 30 out six or a 270. I prefer the 270. A little bit faster, a little flatter shooting, and it's adequate for elk. I've taken several elk with it. So I prefer the 270. Um, a little bit better ballistics for long range shooting also than the 30 out six. 30 out six is wildly popular, has been for 109 years. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with the not six. Um, just the 270 is better. <laughs> that, is, that, that comment goes all the way back to when I was 18 years old uh, with my other buddy as we we're first buying our first rifles. I bought the 270, he bought the odd six. So that one was for Andy. You know who you were. Uh, it's <laughs> long seated rivalry just came out to air there. But I think something in the neighborhood of the 270. Now, one of your hunting cartridges is a 308. Correct. So a 308, I think, is an adequate deer cartridge out to 500 yards. Now, I know that military and, and tactical shooters can hit targets out to 1,500 yards with a 308. But the difference is hunting a big game animal versus hitting a target is a delivering enough energy into the target to immediately incapacitate it. Okay, If you were a SEAL sniper and there was a Haji with a roadside bomb at 1,200 yards and you hit him, I don't care if it takes him a day and a half to die, personally. That's just my ruthlessness. It's, he's a bad guy. That's what. But I would be highly upset at you if you took a shot that far away on an elk because it's our job as an ethical hunter to harvest that animal as cleanly and as quickly as possible. So um, you need to make sure that you are delivering your bullet to the target with enough terminal energy to incapacitate it cleanly and quickly because that's your job. If you can't do that, don't go into woods. So with the 308, I would say no more than 300 yards, 350 might be stretching it, for elk hunting, 500 for deer, because that's kind of where the power just kind of wanes off on that. And it's not that it's not going fast enough out of the barrel, but a 308 bullet, the 30 caliber bullet shot out of most 308s is 165, 168 grainer. It's not as efficient as some other calibers. So although it leaves the barrel at 26, 2700 feet a second, it slows down so much that it's under 2000 feet a second at 500 yards. It just, just starts falling off the face of the earth, as, as you've seen with your trajectory tables. So at adequate caliber, I would go with a bolt action rifle. The major brands that are not that expensive, you can find Savage. You saw me shooting Savages at the range of the day. How'd they shoot? Very nice. Yeah. Savage. Remington 700 is probably the most popular bolt-action rifle, Winchester Model 70. I mean, we had all, all three of them were represented there between our two benches, right? So I would look for something like that. And for a hunting rifle, I wouldn't worry as much as about weight as I would for accuracy. 
And I know I have this conversation with people a lot. They pick up a rifle and they go, oh, it's too heavy. Listen, you're going up a mountain to take an animal that weighs several hundred pounds and you're going to have to bring it back, okay? If the difference between an 8-pound rifle and a 12-pound rifle is too much for you, you should probably be golfing. It's... (laughs) Because if you're going in the woods and you're going to have to haul out an animal, I mean, what's four pounds on a rifle? As opposed to the performance difference it can give you. Now, yes, there are lighter rifles with carbon barrels, but that's that's a whole other discussion. That's high-end, customized stuff. That's not... You know, going out to the local gun store and getting what's on the shelf. So, yes, you can get a, a very highly accurate, light, light rifle that'll do everything you want, but it's more than $100, right? So so there's that. So I would check out um, the cartridge that you want that it's adequate to do, a solid bolt-action rifle, and then the optics, I think, are extremely important on that. A lot of guys will buy a nice rifle and a cheap scope, and that hurts you. So, so optics are important. You want to make sure that you get a quality scope. Uh, I use Vortex a lot. I know Vortex optics are, are great scopes. Uh, we use them in the Vortex Extreme Challenge. They're on my hunting gun this year. Um, yeah, so I check them out. Or Leopold. Leopold makes a great scope also. I have several Leopolds. I have a Bushnell Elite. So you want to stay with a bigger brand that has lifetime warranties and has great glass. You can go all the way up the line to Swarovski or... Uh, um, USA Optics, you know, some of the other uh, larger companies that are even more expensive, but it's not really needed. You can find the good price point pair of optics, meaning rifle scope, at, at a good price point. They really have quality class now that's not too expensive. And the other thing you don't skimp on, and this is what you're going to use 90% of the time, are your binoculars. A good set of binoculars, usually no, no less than 10 power, I like a 12 power, but if you start to use a 15 power, meaning 15 times larger when you're looking at it, it's too shaky. It's too wobbly. It causes a lot of eye strain and headaches. And if your binoculars are not comfortable for you to use, then you won't use them. And the only thing worse than having a bad set of binoculars is having a very good set of binoculars that you're not using. So here in the West, optics are everything. You're going to be looking through your binoculars all day long. And, uh, you know, you may want to have a walking stick or something to help you support it, but you're going to be looking through binoculars all day long. You have to see things. You can't be hiking up these hills that are 60, 80 degrees, you know, an angle um, up and down just to see if you accidentally run into something. You're going to have to find it first, plan your stock and, and go on. So highly recommend a good set of optics. And then on top of that, as I just said, scouting. Now you got to put the time in. So you've got your cartridge, you've got your rifle, you've got your optics, you've got a rough idea of where you might be going next year. Now you need to put your time in. And there's a couple different ways to do this. One is if you are actually going to be able to go, maybe during the summertime, to the place you plan on hunting. So maybe you take a week's vacation in Colorado and you kind of go through that area and you hike around, do some camping, check it out, see what you like, see what you don't like. Because once the hunting starts, it's too late to scout. You have to be blind lucky at that point in time if you don't know where you're going. Or you'll end up, you know, following a train of trucks. <laughs> and uh, That's terrible. I hate that. So scouting and then training. And this is, this is something I know that you do all the time. It's your physical training. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very active. <laughs> so, but that comes into play because if you've got to climb a mountain, if you've got to get up and over a ridge line, 
you got to get up over Ridgeline. You can't walk around it. So I, I think that a lot of guys will wait till two or three weeks before the, before the season and say, okay, time to get in hunting shape. It's not going to cut it. it. It needs to be part of your lifestyle all the way throughout the year, doing your runs, doing your jogs, doing your hikes, using a backpack with some weights in it. Do your scouting like that. You know, if you're going to hunt locally or do a trip locally, get a little heavier backpack than normal and just walk it. Take the dog for a walk. Anyway, folks, Firing Line Radio Show, we'll be right back after this with Craig Lucas, Hunter Neophyte extraordinaire, <laughs> after this. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the Firing Line Radio Show is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and by Moppin Financial Advisors. Okay, Black Bart. Now you get yours. Oh my god, I shot my eye out. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. You'll shoot your eye out. Hey folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. Philip Naiman here on a fantastic Saturday. Hope you're having a good time. Hope you had a great Christmas. So for those of you who um, were slightly disappointed that your wife forgot that December is by your husband a gun month. Um, and for those of those husbands who forgot that December is also by your wife a gun month, you know, you got a couple days to fix this up and it's, it's marital therapy. Go see Vince over at Bullseye Sports and say, Hey, you know, I, I messed up. Can you just help me out here? I need to need to score, need to score something big before, uh, before January 1st, before the new year starts. So check it out. December is by your significant other at gun month or two. So folks, check that out here with Craig Lucas. We're talking, teasing back and forth a little bit here about, about hunting and uh, new ideas and so forth. And of course, Craig comes up with a great question as soon as we went off the air there. He's talking about clothing, about clothing and gear. You know, what kind of stuff do you need for hunting, for hunting big game? So I would, I would think, yeah, as you go into the mountains, you're going to see different seasons, different change of weather. You never know what to expect. So what do you put together for that? I think it comes down to how, how are you hunting? I mean, if you're car hunting, so maybe you have a, a camp someplace and you're driving to a location, then you're walking a mile or two either direction from that, you're probably easier to equip you on a day-to-day basis as opposed to if you're going on a backpacking hunt or a horseback hunt where you have to haul all your stuff in at one time and then deal with whatever happens. So obviously, you know, you're going to need to have some kind of rain protection because in Never in California, but in some states it actually rains during the fall. Uh, it does rain here too, just only when you don't want it to. So 
and you can have some severe thunderstorms. So you want to have some way to stay dry, and that's usually a parka or at least a, some rain gear, uppers and lowers. You also need to make sure that you have something covering your gun. Now, what I use when I'm in inclement weather is electrical tape, electrician's tape. I'll wrap several times around the muzzle of the gun and then over the top of it. Why? It just keeps snow. If, you, if you've tripped and dropped your gun, you didn't plug the end of the barrel with mud which is a real mess. You didn't end up with snow in there. You don't have rain going down it as you're, as you're walking. You're not having rain trickling in it. And then you go to shoot and you have a high pressure situation because as your bullet's going down the barrel, there's water there that it shouldn't be there, causing more friction. So, Do you have to take it off when you shoot or just shoot right through it? I love that question. Um, you can't shoot through it because the electrical tape will stop the bullet. Okay, I'm lying. You just shoot <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any difference, so I kind of was bewildered by that. <laughs> no, you just pull the trigger. It will not affect the flight of the of the bullet at all. It's, it's funny. That, that question came up in camp uh, last year. We all just kind of looked at this fun. So that's one way to protect the gun. You want to make sure you have scope covers for your, your optics. And yes, if they get wet, it's not a problem. But looking through it, if it's been raining... And you have to look through your, your rifle scope. The raindrops on it will totally diffuse a picture. It's terrible. You can't see what you're trying to look at. And then if you wipe it off, then it's just smeared. So the best thing is to go with, with a scope cover until you're ready to shoot. Then you can take it off, especially if you're in inclement weather. Um, I, don't, I, I think if you're hunting with a backpack, you should have some way to keep it dry too because you're probably going to have some important stuff in it. Some backpacks will have a uh, rain cover that comes out on them. Other times you just have a trash bag and you just cut the holes for the, you know, take a small trash bag, cut the holes for the straps and you don't have a rain cover. It's really that easy. But a, a light rain jacket for you is good. You never want to get wet. And of course you should have, if you're, especially if you're far away from your car or your camp, you need to have some way to survive. One of the things I do is I have a Kuyu belt from K-U-I-U. Kuyu, it's a, it's a ranger belt. It's a rescue belt. I use it for repelling. or used one like it for when I was repelling. And I keep everything that keeps me going on that belt. So if I was stalking an elk and I had to take my backpack off or I took my backpack off and I'm crawling around in there, on this belt I have my, my uh, pouch with my 10 extra shots. Okay, it's on the belt. I have my knife. I have a Petzl headlamp, ultra light headlamp. So if it gets dark... It, you know, I can find my way out of there. But I just have, uh, I have my wind meter, I have my range finder, I have everything I could need. If you're as good a shot as you claim to be, why the extra 10 shots on your belt? They have friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> See, I wasn't kidding when I said he banners back and forth. He gives as good as he gets. Um, you should always have extra rounds. Um, things happen in the woods. You know, you could have a misfire. You could have a primer that doesn't go off. And you just want to make sure that you're not out there with two bullets. That's called being unprepared. Anyway, so you have that. I, I, I have that outside of my backpack. And it just, you know, I've got my headlight. So if it gets dark, I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to function. I can get out of there. And I highly recommend that. I also use, I use mountain bike gloves. Hmm. They are the coolest thing. The long, long fingered. They're thin enough. You can feel, you can shoot with them. But if you ever put your hand on a pine tree... You get that pine tar on that just will not go away forever. Hey, it's on the glove. Uh, hunting in Colorado, they have these little button cactuses that you don't see them. You just feel them when you put your hand down. Yeah, the glove stops them. So uh, I think the mountain biking gloves, I get them with a non-reflective edge. <laughs> but 
<laughs> but just black mountain biking gloves are they seem to be the best and they're better than any of the shooting gloves I've seen or hunting gloves or you know clothing manufacturer's gloves I think the mountain biking gloves are just the best Fox is the brand I use so <laughs> I like them a lot and I shoot with them all the time um, your backpack should be ample enough to carry out everything that you need but not so big that you carry stuff you don't and you won't know what you need till that's going to be kind of a trial and error thing. Yeah, now, once you get out there, you'll you'll realize I didn't need this, that, or the next thing, and the next time, hopefully. Yeah, you know, a lot of guys will um, will carry a spotting scope all over the place. Well, it kind of depends upon the terrain that you're going into, uh, whether you can even use a spotting scope. If you're hunting in aspens and dark timber, you know your visibility is a hundred yards at tops, so a spotting scope is useless. If you're hunting from one ridge looking over a series of other ridges, yeah, spotting scopes are great. And you want to make sure that you have, with a spotting scope, you want to make sure that you have a quality tripod. Just like buying a good gun and getting a cheap rifle scope, if you buy a good spotting scope and get a cheap tripod, it will drive you crazy. Because when the wind blows, the whole thing will vibrate. And it, there's nothing more frustrating than not being able to use that equipment that you hauled up there because the wind's blowing. Because the wind is always blowing. So that's something else to keep in mind. So those are one of the things you look for with the, the, the hook on the the part that raises and lowers to hang your backpack? You know, they, they have that. Uh, I have also taken off my backpack and put the straps over the top of the spotting scope just to use that extra weight to hold down. Oh, okay. To hold it down and hold it steady um, just because that tripod didn't have the hook on the bottom. Uh, shooting training, I think, is something that is extremely important. If you're brand new at bolt-action rifle shooting, like we just went out. Um, yesterday when, when you and I got to, sh to go out and shoot and not yesterday but it was earlier this week when we, we went out so tell a little bit about that you've been shooting a little bit on your own for bolt action rifle correct uh, it's it's eye-opening every I'm starting to actually feel what the gun feels like now but I I couldn't consistently do what I wanted to do I think it's just a matter of getting out there and learning how to position yourself on the gun, learning how the gun feels, uh, practice. Like you said, you touched on it earlier, and it's one of the important things you need to put the time in in order to be successful at something. Learning how to squeeze the trigger, I realized, just in the couple of things that we were working on is completely different than what I had been trying to do on my own. You know, so what were you trying to do on your own? Hit the target, so, <laughs> not focus. <laughs> like when the crosshairs were coming by the target, you'd snap the trigger really fast trying to get it right yeah as you so ridiculed me about the other day <laughs> <laughs> minus the flinching all the other things that go with novice that, shooting that was in love that was in love <laughs> that was that was not ridicule um and it is important one of the things and i i told you everybody flinches when all of a sudden the same rifle that shoots very very well all of a sudden you can't hold a group it's usually you. We say you have to tighten up the nut at the end of the stock, and that means you. So one of the great drills is to have somebody load or unload your gun unbeknownst to you. The rifle's on the, on the shooting bench, stays there, you turn around. And they'll manipulate the bolt. They'll either put a round in or take a round out. You don't know. So as you get down and set and are watching the target, your focus should solely be on the crosshairs on the target. That's where your eye has to be and your focus is on that. As you're applying pressure to the trigger just nice and slowly, when the gun goes off, it should surprise you. If the gun goes off and you realize you've jumped ahead of time, you, that movement's called a flinch, and that flinch will throw the, the bullet 
anywhere from one to four inches away from where you want to hit. I've seen that numerous times as of late. And it, one good thing with more practice and some of the things we've discussed, I, I can actually, I'm starting to see that as soon as I squeeze the trigger, I, I can tell it was a bad shot. You know, versus, you know, the couple of times I've had good shots, it just, it kind of felt different. And it's, it's kind of nice starting to realize what some of these shooting things mean. That's awesome. Folks, this is Philip Neyman, Firing Line Radio Show. I want to thank my good buddy, Craig Lucas, for joining us. As you can tell, he's a work in progress, but he's going to be awesome. If, uh, if his Ironman experience was anything like his hunting experience, watch out for this guy. He's going to be great. Hope you had a great Christmas. We'll see you after New Year's. When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sport in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, and Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.